You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello and welcome to the Big Blue Big Board Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Flum. We are coming to you with a Monday episode because there's not much else to talk about right now. It's for the Giants, at least. It's it's draft from here on out. There's going to be a little free agency at some point, but we're we're a little bit away from that and right now it's just kind of figuring out where these draft prospects are going to be we're going to jump back in with our draft position rundown we only have two left so we're going to try to bang them out this week before we get to the senior bowl next week so today we are going to talk about some wide receivers you ready to break that down chris i better be because we're doing it that's just how it goes. We're ready, <laughs> ready or not, we're going to talk about some wide receivers. So we have left these two positions for the end because as we kind of look at what the Giants need and what they're likely to do, wide receiver and running back are going to be low on that list. But at wide receiver, the Giants could still use a number three. They have Odell Beckham. About as good as you could hope for at wide receiver. And then there's there's Sterling Shepard. The number two has been used in the slot and in the outside, uh, especially this year. He moved around a little more. That number three position is open. Signed Cody Latimer, but he was only signed to a one-year deal. He didn't really do much until like the last couple games of the season he was on IR for a bunch of the season. Corey Coleman is, is in. He showed like a play per game at wide receiver, but he was mostly for special teams. Who knows if he's going to be brought back. Then there was just a whole bunch of other okay guys, but who cares? You know, there was Benny Fowler, uh, Jarrell Davis still on the team. Quadre Henderson uh, is going to be on the team, but again, he was a special teams guy. So there's, there's a lot of question marks of who could be that number three wide receiver. Yeah, and the other thing we have to taken into consideration with the position is Sterling Shepard will be a free agent after this year. So the Giants could, and this is basically the setup for this entire podcast, they could think about getting somebody in place to replace Sterling Shepard if they decide to move on from him. Or if they think they will not be able to keep him if some other team is going to see potential in him and offer that offer him more money than they'll be able to. So between possibly getting ready to move in a different direction from Shepard or actually find a long-term solution for the number three receiver. Yeah. So this is maybe as we talk about it, uh, you know, an underrated need 
So we would definitely like to see is he a new number three, whether that's going to come from free agency or the draft. But yeah, Sterling Shepard only has one year left on his deal. So after 2019, he'll be a free agent. So we just don't know what that's going to be like. So so th- that is going to shape this. And, and if they think about what Shepard is, is going to cost down the line, and, and that's not something they want to get into then yeah, wide receiver becomes a much bigger need because then you only have Odell Beckham. And I'm sure a lot of teams would like to only have Odell Beckham. <laughs> um, but there's there's a little bit you got to figure out there. So I think when we look at that, then we can try to find out now then what the Giants would be looking for at that position. So Shepard can play both in the slot and outside. He played more in the slot, and I think he was a little more productive in the slot, but I still like him uh, outside. But I think if the Giants are going to be looking for another receiver, it's probably going to be someone who can play more on the outside. Although, I don't think that should be something they are exclusively looking for, especially when you have Beckham, who can also play in the slot. If you have three receivers who can all play on the outside and in the slot, and you can move them all around, I think that is something the Giants should be looking for. Oh, definitely, especially when you look in the context of also having Saquon Barkley, who can play in the slot and out wide, even though he didn't do so nearly enough. He can? Well, theoretically. Uh, nothing, uh, yeah, I guess nothing from the 2018 season showed me that he has that ability. <laughs> Joke, that's not about Barkley. That is his usage. He should have been in the slot way more. And and also Evan Ingram, who can do those things as well. He can play in the backfield, the slot, or out wide. And again, he wasn't used that way nearly enough. So having another... I don't like using the phrase chess piece because chess pieces can actually only move in a very specific way. Yeah, that's a very Except weird phrase it that, is. that we use that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, but say another Swiss Army Knife player who can play out of the out wide, out of the slot, maybe out of the backfield. That has a lot of potential interest for the Giants offense. Absolutely. And now as we as we go forward... I think I've seen some people calling for they want like a, a big body as a receiver. I, I don't think that's really a need, even though Beckham, even for one number one receiver, is kind of on you know, the smaller side, but that doesn't really matter. And Shepard is definitely on the smaller side. I, I don't think size does not matter at wide receiver if you have someone who can separate. I want someone who is going to be able to, to separate uh, against man coverage, and the Giants didn't really have that without Beckham on the field. And and if you're just you know a big guy who doesn't separate, that doesn't do anyone any good. And I think that we can move that into the previous wide receivers Dave Gettleman has drafted, and that doesn't inspire a whole bunch of confidence uh, because that has been Kelvin Benjamin, who <laughs> absolutely fits the <laughs> a big and cannot separate and does no one any good. Um, uh, if there's a description of Kelvin Benjamin, that was it. And then the next year, they went to Devin Funches, who was a little better, but still kind of fell out of favor in Carolina toward the end of this season. And then they kind of shifted their overall 
a plan on offense in 2017, and then they drafted Curtis Samuel. And so and there's only three wide receivers drafted by Dave Gettleman since 2014. And so I, I don't know if he'll still try to get that that speed uh, here, or or if he still just likes the big guy. And if it's just if big is your only trait, that doesn't help anyone. No, not not at all. You can find big tight ends at the back end of the draft, and they'll probably be about as good at separating as Kelvin Benjamin. This time of year, especially talking about wide receivers, one of my favorite guys to follow is Matt Harmon does the reception perception. And basically two of his highest graded prospects of all time were Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard because they can just get open. They can use their route running they can use their release they can set defenders up and they because they're actually smaller receivers they can be that much quicker out of their break but they also have just ridiculous verticals so they can play a lot bigger than they're listed so for me just the ability to get open just whatever your toolbox is have use your tools to get open and then catch the ball yeah, absolutely. So that is is part of something I do. I put a metric together for wide receivers every year called target yards added. And basically, that just takes a receiver's yards per target and subtracts the quarterback from that team, his yards per attempt throwing to other wide receivers or, or just throwing other passes. So it basically shows what a receiver adds to that offense. We'll get more into that uh, in, in another show when uh, we have like kind of the full wide receiver class and we can really break into that but basically it just shows what a receiver adds to the offense and a lot of times the guys at the top are guys who can separate and get deep sometimes it's guys who aren't targeted as often as maybe the the top uh, receivers are but they're guys who can get open and get open deep so I think that's that's a good skill to have good skill to target and it's something this metric shows and I'll, I'll just talk about that a little bit as we talk about some of the guys we're going to bring up today so as we talk about these guys today I think we're going to do something a, a little different and not just talk about the top guys who we will uh, eventually uh, talk about in this class, but since the Giants do have kind of specific needs and, and we're not going to be looking at a guy in the first round, I think we're each going to take three guys uh, who we like, one who might be around in the second, one in like the third or fourth, and then one late guy. So we'll be spreading out the, the type of prospects that we're talking about today. Yeah, the like we said before, the receiver might be an under-the-radar need, but that's only if they, say, don't bring back Cody Latimer and Corey Coleman to kind of fill out the depth chart. And if they decide to move on from Sterling Shepard or prepare for the possibility that they won't be able to afford him after this year. So we're just going to look at some guys who maybe a little bit under the radar, who just kind of interest us. 
So let's let's just get into that. So we're each going to take someone. Now the first guys we're going to talk about are someone who will probably be around in the second round. Might be somewhat in the first, but just depending on where they're listed right now, they, they might be available uh, in the early second. So Chris, why don't why don't you get to your guy first? Okay, uh, my guy's uh, Debo Samuel out of South Carolina. Now he's not going to fit anyone's desire for a big tall receiver he's only listed somewhere between 5'11 and 6 foot but he's also a, a especially for his height he's a thick receiver he's listed somewhere between 210 and 215 but he is one of these guys who can get open and just as an aside I saw this and it was pretty interesting to me uh Brad Kelly a contributor for the draft network looked at the measurables for every 1000 yard receiver this year and broke them down into over six foot tall and under six foot tall. And basically if they were over six foot tall, the average height was six one. The average weight was 207 pounds. The average 40 is four five one. And they have on average a 35 and three quarter inch vertical. For under six foot tall, I believe the average height was about 5'10 or 5'11. Average weight was 188 pounds with a 43940 and a 36 and three quarter inch vertical. So not only can just different body size body types be very productive, when you get to the extremes, the productivity tends to fall off. The super ginormous receivers don't tend to get the huge numbers and the smaller receivers unless they're Tyreek Hill don't tend to get the big numbers so Samuel for me just physically he's a guy who falls somewhere in that middle area physically and South Carolina used him all over the offensive front a lot uh, they really like to use him in bunch sets or trips formation. They played him in the slot and out wide. And he's a guy where get the ball in his hands and he turns into a running back. He kind of watching him kind of felt similar to watching Victor Cruz back in the day, just has that ability to put a foot in the ground, sink his hips and then explode out of his cut, just kind of create separation and then maybe not necessarily run away from a defender, but at least hold the distance. Yeah, that's interesting. And just going back to what you said kind of about the the profiles of these guys, uh, I have talked a bunch about how a lot of the athleticism testing through the combine and spark scores and things like that are going to really shape how we view these prospects as we get further into the evaluation process. I think the one place where that matters less and i will like probably barely look at it spark for the position is is wide receiver i look so much more at at production 
for wide receivers uh, than, than I do athleticism in regards to like every other position. Wide receivers are just so different in, in the different ways they can win and the different ways they can be successful. You can be relatively not super athletic. You don't need to be a super athlete uh, to win and figure out how to get open as a wide receiver. So that's that's one thing that's going to be real interesting to look at because so many of these guys can just win uh, in different ways. So Samuel is a guy who, who's going to be interesting because when I break down these target yards added, he is a guy who falls under a full target yards added. And that's when I start to bring up kind of a red flag. And that's not saying they they aren't good um, guys in the past who have been under one target yard added. Juju Smith-Schuster was was one of those guys. But I think more often than not, it, it starts to bring up a red flag and kind of you wonder why. But Samuel was a guy who you know, was still heavily targeted uh, in his offense. 100 targets, that was a 24.8% target share. But he's he's going to definitely be be a guy a guy to look at uh, going forward. So I, I will jump to to my second round pick. Even though I, I I'm not sure if this guy should be a second round pick because in my opinion I think he should be wide receiver one in this class. And that is JJ Arcega Whiteside from Stanford. Uh, this dude is just I find him to be just super good and really interesting. So he is listed at 6'3", 225. Uh, he was a beast uh, for Stanford. He had 95 targets, 1,059 yards. You'd had 14 touchdowns. Uh, he was, he's a, a guy who just uh, wins contested catches, knows how to use his body to, to block out smaller defensive backs. He is also someone who can just win, just straight up off the line. He kind of reminded me of like uh, he had a like a Doug Baldwin release off the line. And at 6'3", 225, having like a bigger Doug Baldwin is is insane. He had a 67% catch rate, which uh, is great. And in terms of, of target yards added, he had 3.5 target yards added, which among the, the guys I have right now is 8th in this class. And that was with a 23.3% uh, target share in the Stanford offense. So he was getting thrown at quite a bit. Um, he added a lot to that offense. I just, I love his size. I love his speed. I love how he uses all of those together just to create a full everything you would look for in a wide receiver. I think our Sega Whiteside can bring to the table. I would not dispute you on any of that. He is really fun to watch. And personally, I just at his size, you know, I'm not sure he's going to weigh as much as he is listed, but he's still definitely a good sized receiver. He moves like a much smaller player. I saw on broadcast one game that uh, both of his parents were basketball players. I believe his mother still holds an NCAA record and his father played professionally in Spain and was on their Olympic team. And he moves to me like a basketball player. He moves like, uh, like a point guard, like uh, Russell Westbrook or Derek Rose, maybe not that level of, athletic freakishness but just his ability to navigate the field in and out of his cuts and breaks is impressive yeah i just i think he's 
he has the potential to, to be really good. And he has he has the skills that are going to translate. He has that big body that can box out those those smaller defenders, but he also has the speed and get off to create separation on his own. Uh, and if you're looking for a wide receiver, those are two of the big things uh, you would look for. So he has the size. He also has the the ability to get open. So he's someone I, I am very excited to continue watching as it goes forward. So our our next guys are going to be guys who, who might be like late third, early fourth. So late day two, early day three. So Chris, who do, who do you have in that area? Well, I'm glad you ended by saying you're excited to watch our Sega white side because my guy might be one of the most exciting players in all of college football and that's marquise hollywood brown and now hollywood's his nickname and he earns it he is a little receiver i think he's like five nine a buck 60 but he's one of these little guys who just looks like he's playing the game at a different speed from everybody else like if you remember uh brandon cooks coming out of oregon state or you know a slightly painful memory a young deshaun jackson just one of these guys he can either just completely blow the top off of a defense with his speed which he should have four three speed easily and it wouldn't surprise me to see him in a, in the four twos or he could catch the ball short and still make a big play out of it yeah i remember watching one play with oklahoma they ran a mesh concept and kyler murray went to him and just over the course of the mesh and avoiding a defender, he wound up actually running backwards back past the line of scrimmage. Well, by, by the time he got to the sideline, he cleared the defender, turned it upfield, and made a huge play out of it. And it's just those sorts of things where he gets his hands on the ball, you pay attention because you never quite know what's going to happen. Yeah, one th- one thing I like about him is is how they did move him around. So he had 107 uh, total targets. That was 32.6% target share in the Oklahoma offense. Um, so 107, 107 total targets. 46 of those came from the slot. So so they moved him. They moved him around. He had some time in the outside. Uh, he had some time in the slot. That's that's the type of versatility you want to look for, especially someone like that. So 10 touchdowns, just over 1,300 yards, um, yeah, 70.8% catch rate. And so, so these are all things you like. Again, 5'10", he's, he's listed under 170 pounds. But when when you have that speed, I, I think that's it, that's not something that's going to matter when you're when you're behind the the defenders. By target yards added, he falls in just below one, so 0.96 of the guys I have right now. That's like 20th. That so that's it's still not bad, and especially if you can uh, continue to to add things. Um, the one thing that that he gets knocked for by target yards added is the Oklahoma offense was just so good. Uh, so when I put up together the the quarterback uh, yards per attempt to other players, that is eleven point three five, and and no one else. Uh, only one other player is is above ten when uh, an offense was targeting someone else. So he still had twelve point three yards per target, which is is really good uh, it just so happens the the Oklahoma offense was so good but that's part of what I want target yards added to to measure is 
in the overall view of the offense, because there are some players who who do get high yards per target, but because the the offense is is so good and so pass heavy, um, but I think Marquise Brown could add just enough in that Oklahoma offense that he's going to be productive going forward. And then, so in, in terms of of that, I'll I'll take it to to my guy here in this area and it's someone who has high yards per target um on an offense that was not o- overall great and that is going to be Emmanuel Hall of Missouri so he is listed at 6'3 195 so again a, a bigger guy in height uh, a little slender but that's okay but again someone who uh it, it can get downfield so he's a guy when he comes out uh, on top of target yards added right now he is the top wide receiver at 7.43 target yards added uh, he only had a 14 percent target share at missouri but he is someone when the ball went to him it was a big play uh, so 14.3 yards per target when Missouri threw to anyone else, they only had 6.85 yards per attempt. So he is someone who is incredibly explosive. And at 6'3", he's, he's a little bigger, so he can win some of those jump balls that you can throw to him. But just so much explosiveness there. Uh, so he only had 58 targets but and 22.4 yards per catch. And by marginal explosiveness, which uh, is kind of like an expected points added for the four receivers, and this is per uh, Bill Conley's numbers at Football Study Hall, that was 0.95, which is insane for someone targeted uh, as often as he is. Um, so he is also a senior. He is someone who is going to be at the Senior Bowl. So I think if he lines up there and, and does well, I think his stock is only going to continue to rise. Yeah, and that's an. Those guys are always fun to watch and watch out for the ones who maybe weren't in the best situation in college or didn't get the best chance to shine and showcase their talents and then they go someplace like the senior bowl where they wind up making everybody go okay who's this guy and send just a legion of scouts back to the tape and try to figure out what they missed yeah, and I think he he is going to be that guy. So uh, players who uh, do come out well uh, on top of of target yards added, I think they you know especially as as high as he did, and over seven is is really good. So uh, we'll. we'll uh, continue to talk about target yards added. I think I want to devote kind of a full episode to just go into the process and what it all means. But uh, someone who can add that much to to an offense and that's that's a big play threat. And still at six three, uh, is that's another a combination of of something you want out of a receiver, especially if you can get him in in the middle rounds of the draft. So let's now go to the guys who we think might be. Uh, uh, kind of values maybe maybe in in the later round. So Chris, who do you have there? Yeah, mine's actually kind of a familiar name, and I suppose maybe a little bit of an offbeat prospect. And that is Jalen Hurd out of Baylor. Now, if his name's familiar, that's because he used to be a very highly regarded running back prospect for Tennessee, but then some things went down at Tennessee. He wound up having, I believe it was disagreements, split, whatever, with the coaching staff, and he opted to transfer out. 
he wound up in Baylor and switched to wide receiver. And he has since become something of a big play threat for them. But the interesting thing is, as a running back, he was a big running back. He was uh, six, listed at 6'4", 230 or 240, something like that. He's, I think, probably about 225 now, so he's still a big receiver. But Baylor also still uses him as a running back on occasion. They'll use him in short yardage or goal line situations, line him up in the backfield, either in the pistol or actually under center and still use him as a power back. But he's also shown enough that he can be a wide receiver. They use him in the slot quite a bit where he's going to have either a size advantage over most slot corners or an athletic advantage over most linebackers who are going to cover him. He can catch the ball. He shows a little bit of that ability to kind of sink his hips in and out of his cuts and breaks to kind of mitigate the fact that he's a tall dude but he's also quick in his release. He doesn't kind of roll out of his stance like, like you see some big receivers do. And once he gets a, into a little bit into the open field, he stretches those long legs out and he's fast. So and that ability to kind of be a running back, be a slot receiver, he's definitely got the frame to be an X receiver, but you know, only one year of experience at the position, you'd probably want to you know, take some time and coach him up in the finer points of playing wide receiver before you did that. But just that background and his skill set to me is very intriguing, especially again with Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard, who can both be moved around Saquon Barkley, who could be moved around Evan Ingram, who, who could be moved around. You could potentially have a 12 or even a 22 personnel set, which all of a sudden becomes a four or five wide receiver set. And what would that do to a defense? Yeah, that's something when you can move around some of these pieces. So like you said, he, uh, for someone who as kind of tall as he is, and that we worked as running back before he moved to wide receiver, uh, he worked almost exclusively from this slot at Baylor. So 97 of his 107 targets uh, came in the slot. Uh, So that is somewhere that can can pose a matchup problem. And and again, like we said, he is someone who is still learning to play wide receiver. Uh, He was a running back. When you look at this, he's still 24% target share at Baylor's 1.62 target yards added, which is about average. Uh, but for someone with his skill set and who is also learning the position, that is not bad. <clears throat> so the, the average before target yards added from the amount of receivers I have since going back to like 2014 uh, is about 1.5. It creeps up to about 1.6 now. Um, so having him average there and still learning that position um, and his, with his size and his agility being able to work that big in the slot, that's absolutely uh, something to to keep an eye on uh, going forward. And he's, again, someone who's going to be at the senior bowl, so he'll get some of these these one-on-one matchups. So we'll see how how he continues to improve, possibly, as we go further into into draft season. Um, so my guy is, is someone who... 
uh, really isn't talked about because his school is not talked about a lot, and, <laughs> and rightfully so, uh, but also someone who is going to be at the Senior Bowl, and that is Andy Isabella uh, from UMass. So Isabella is... Uh, he's only listed at 5'10", 190, so he's very much going to probably be uh, you know, exclusively uh, a slot receiver. But at UMass, he did move around a little bit. He was targeted very often um, at UMass. He had 148 targets, and that was a 30.8% target share uh, of of the UMass passing offense. Uh, but he was a really good when they relied on him. He was uh, the passing offense. Uh, so 5.85 target yards added, which is number three in this class right now uh, among the guys I have uh, about... I have like 37 guys in the sample, whether they're all going to be in this draft class or not, I'm not totally sure yet. Um, but when UMass wasn't throwing to Isabella, that's 5.62 yards per attempt. And he had 11.47 yards per target. So he was over 30% of the target share um, and more than doubled uh, the yards per target when he was thrown to. Uh, so he's a guy, 148 targets, 78 of them came in the slot. Um, so he still did get some time outside. Uh, but he's a guy who is going to be super fast. Um, he's someone to probably, I think, as uh, uh, Michael Kist, uh, who uh, writes for Bleeding Green Nation, does their podcast. Uh, he was posting some videos of Isabella uh, over the weekend. And he was like, this is a guy who has the possibility to be like sub 4-4. Four four, uh, so please don't start saying this guy is sneaky athletic or sneaky fast um, because he is a white slot receiver. Uh, so that's just not going to be true. This dude is legitimately fast. Uh, he can he get open. Uh, he uh, can run routes really well. So he's someone I'm going to continue to see excited uh, in on the senior bull circuit. Um, and as we, we go further, and especially the hopefully I'm going to assume he would get invited to the combine since he did get invited to the senior bowl and and what he runs uh he's probably going to to blow some people away with that uh and i think he has the ability to uh to really produce um at the nfl because of how much he produced at umass uh, when he was really the only option in that passing offense yeah that's that's always interesting when guys who are who are the offense are still able to produce yeah, yeah, it's something that it's part of uh, why I put target yards added together because I want to see because college offenses are so crazy. Um, <laughs> the the range in in what offenses are in college is just so big. So I, I want to see who. Uh, stands out in relation to their offense and sometimes that gets you the guys who are really good on really bad offenses when sometimes they wouldn't be talked about uh, otherwise uh, so he he is someone that uh, who I I am looking forward to uh, going forward I think another guy who uh I think I could have brought up with like our Sega Whiteside, who probably would be my wide receiver too in this class, um, is uh, Hakeem Butler, who was 33.3%, so a third of the Iowa State offense, and still 5.12 target yards added. So he's someone we'll talk about in future receiver episodes. Uh, and in fact, he might even be a guy to just keep an eye on because he is just his size might intrigue dave gettleman if he still goes back to wanting 
just ginormous human beings and maybe somebody who can be a contrast to Beckham and Shepard and just be bigger than the defense in the red zone. Yeah, so he's someone listed at 6'6", 225, but it is not just someone who is big. Uh, he can run. His catch radius is unreal. Um, I'm not even sure there's a good word to describe how big his, his catch radius is. Um, and, and he's someone who, who can run. This is not uh, this is not Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, someone who can create separation uh, and get open. Uh, but he is someone uh, we are absolutely uh, going to talk about. Because he's probably, right now, my second favorite wide receiver uh, in this group. But I took Arcega Whiteside because uh, Arcega Whiteside is, I think, my favorite uh, right now. <laughs> so that's the only reason I didn't bring him up. Uh, but absolutely absolutely someone we will continue to discuss going forward that's fair and we we've got plenty of time to do that and yeah i I think we're at a pretty good stopping point for the wide receivers right now yeah yeah plenty of time we're still in mid-january my god the draft is not till april we whoo Oh, we have a lot of episodes to get through oh, yeah. uh, until then. So yeah, we'll we'll end this episode there because we, we got to save some of it. Um, <laughs> uh, you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You know, please rate and review. If you have not, that does help us uh, quite a bit. Thank you to everyone who has done that. Please follow us uh, at bigblueview.com where we'll be doing a lot of writing. Uh, Chris just started doing his draft profiles this week so it's officially draft profile season so those will be popping up pretty much every day uh, on bigblueview.com i even have one it's not scheduled yet but it will be either later today or tomorrow morning specifically for you dan all right sounds good i have no idea who that is going to be uh, so i am excited please uh follow big blue view on twitter at big blue view on instagram at big underscore blue underscore view uh, follow me on twitter at dan Pizzuta, chris on twitter at raptor mkii so thank you guys for listening we will be back uh later in the week uh to uh to finish up the uh, positional previews or at least the preliminary positional previews who say that five times fast uh, so thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you again soon hey i'm anil dash and i'm the host of a new show called function from the vox media podcast network and glitch this season we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.